It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's the Score North Twin Show. Oh, the twins are on the grid. Well, they oh. were yesterday, right? Yes, y- yesterday. Yeah, and because uh, we're saving it. If, if the cause you can go back and play previous day grids now, mm-hmm. and so we're gonna go back and play the twins on the grid later on in this episode. Gonna be a good one. Pumped on Judd will yeah. Judd will have zero. Well, no, Judd. I don't think we'll have much complaints from what I saw. Good. I haven't looked at it so. Okay. It'll be a we're gonna we're gonna need some historical Judd knowledge combined with uh, the new school knowledge of us. The winning recipe. So, uh, speaking of that, we might need some historical knowledge when it comes to Joe Maurer's Hall of Fame candidacy, which starts this week because the ballot came out and we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve first timers, I believe, if I'm counting this correctly. Wow. Twelve first timers on the Hall of Fame ballot. Adrian Beltre, generationally great defensive player at third. He almost got to five hundred career homers. Handful of silver sluggers. Um, Chase Utley. You like he like yeah, just just ridiculously durable. And probably I would even say like his second half of his career is what solidified him. Like his first yeah. half with the Dodgers was good, but the second half, the twenty tens on is what is going to definitely get him in. Yep, he's. I think there are some guys that are just like really, really good for a long time, and then there's guys that were peak greatness, and then they kind of went away. That was kind of Joe Maurer, and then I think Beltre was 
Beltre was really, really good for like almost two decades with flashes at times of being one of the best players in the league for, you know, a handful of those years. Didn't Beltre have sort of a weird stop in Boston for like a year and it didn't go well. And then I feel like he, he went to, I think Texas possibly and really took off. Let's see. Like, here. Like, like he was always solid, but like yeah. to Declan's point in 2010. Texas, I felt like he became a hall of famer. He was incredible in Boston in 2010. He led the league in doubles. He had, one of the highest OPSs of his career, batted 321, 919 OPS. I don't remember mm-hmm. him with Boston, though. Yeah, and he was an uber prospect when he got called up by the Dodgers. And he was good, yes. but he was not, I would even, not, not a bust, but he didn't live up to his prospect status until the second half of his career. Yeah. Yeah, he kind of, like, he came onto the scene, uh, his last year with the Dodgers was like his, he was 25 years old, he had played six or seven years in the majors with them, and then he led the league in homers in his free agency season with 48. Uh, and you're right, like it was after 30 that he really locked in regular all-star. He's the headliner on this ballot. Adrian Beltre yep. is the headliner on this ballot. Mm-hmm. Then we have Chase Utley, David Wright, longtime Met, uh, Bartolo Colon, longtime everywhere, Matt Holliday, Adrian Gonzalez, Jose Batista, who had that. He was like 30 years old and kind of, I don't know, just kind of a guy. And then mysteriously or not, yeah. just wound up. That's changing his mechanics and having a yes. six-year power run for the ages. Yep. So, Jose Reyes, Victor Martinez, James Shields, and Joseph Patrick Maurer mm-hmm. is on this list. So, my question mm-hmm. to you guys is, do you think Joe Maurer is a Hall of Famer? Yes, I do. I do not think he has any chance of going in first ballot, which we could we can debate this whole thing, but you guys know as well as I do that there's enough voters left and it's a very extensive list that see the um first ballot as being sacred yeah and so joe so in my opinion whether i agree with this or not joe mauer has no chance of going in on this ballot adrian beltre i think is going to go go in and i think he's the only first ballot guy that phil just talked about but do and i i know the entire show's going to revolve around this so i will just say this yes i think he is a hall of fame yes he's a hall of famer not first ballot um i'm super curious though on what the first ballot looks like for him percentage wise because this is a crowded field and like Beltre's, there's other guys from last ballot too that are on here right still uh what i think todd helton just missed out last year he was like 72 percent. he needs 75 right to get into yep, the hall yep, of fame 75. So he just missed it by like a, just a couple couple votes. So I believe he gets in what he did as a catcher, what he did from that 06 to you know 2013 stretch where I think he had the best OBP in baseball even. And again, as a catcher, like what he was able yeah. to do in nationally, his if these were all opinions of Minnesota sports fans, no, he is not going to get <laughs> in the Hall of Fame for whatever Isn't stupid crazy? reason. Yeah, it's the dumbest thing. But nationally, I think he's very well respected and regarded but I think he's probably looking at somewhere between the third and fifth year of eligibility. If this was, if the hall of fame was voted on by media members, 40 and younger, by the way, I think he might get in first ballot Hmm. because I think when you look at the, so, so playoff and world series success is important, but I think when you look at the resume as, as younger journalists or, media members do i think that's where his case truly resides i think the old um uh, 
chew, chewing tobacco, spitting on the ground guys will be be like, well, this guy never did a thing in the postseason and he hit singles. But the more I look at the resume, the more I the more I think that his case is really good. Um, the issue is, and Phil, we, we've talked about this on shows, and, and you've harped on this accurately for a long time. The mm-hmm. issue is this. The people that allowed Johan Santana to drop off the ballot immediately are a concerning group. And I'm not saying Joe's not going to drop off, but I'm just saying there's a very diversified community of people that vote. And I yeah. think the old timers are going to look at Maurer's lack of success. Not enough counting stats. Not yeah, enough. well, and he moved to first base. Well, these are the – I know that a committee put Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame, but yeah. if you think Harold Baines is a Hall of Fame – and I, don't, I, I hate to, like, sit here and track – like, but Harold Baines is a really good baseball but player. But the committee didn't. That was Marusa. That was – Okay, but if but if if you're going to put Harold Baines in the Hall of Fame, yeah, well, how is he? At no point was he regarded as one of the great players of his era, or he was a good player for like 15 or 18 years. Johan Santana was one of the two or three best starting pitchers for like seven or eight years, multiple Cy Youngs, right? And the problem for Maurer is he is more like he profiles in terms of Hall of Fame candidacy much closer to a Johan Santana than he does, you know an Adrian Beltre or some of these guys that were just really good until they were 38 years old. So my answer to this question, do I think Joe Maurer's a Hall of Famer? I still think the answer is yes. I agree with you guys. I don't think he's first ballot. I do think the national perception of him is higher than the local perception of him. A lot of fans spent a lot of time booing him for grounding out to second base, you know, four, six, three, Joe hitting fly balls to the same place in left field that fell 15 feet short of the target field wall. Like, that was a thing here locally. But I will say this. I have been bullish for 10 years that Joe Maurer, he's a Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, like one of the greatest catchers of all time. As I look a little deeper, I think he's much more fringe than I would have said 10 years ago. I think the four to five years post-catcher at first base, I think it dragged his perception down. It certainly dragged his batting average oh, down. It, it dragged did. his on-base percentage down, yes. the slugging percentage. And you bring up, the postseason stuff, that's real to me. To not have done anything, like, like to me, Kurt Schilling is a great example of a guy. Now, Kurt Schilling, is he still on the ballot or did he, did he, did he get in? Remind me. No, no, because he's despised by the world, which, which is unfortunate. Was he on the ballot last year? Uh, he's not on the ballot. He must have, he must have okay. hit the 10 he's years off, off the ballot. He's off the ballot. Like Jeff Kent just came off the ballot this year. But, like, to me, I would have put Schilling in. I don't care if he's, a, like, whatever. Like, his politics, this is about baseball. Kurt Schilling was one of the greatest postseason performers of all time. Mm-hmm. Jack Morris is in the Hall of Fame because of postseason performance, right? Puckett if was it, the first ballot because of Puckett, that. Puckett, yeah. yeah. Puckett does not go in first ballot without mm-hmm. the without the uh, World Series successes. And he deserved it because of those successes. Yeah. So, I hear you. So, like, when I think about Hall of Fame criteria or resume, I think it, it, it's kind of, like three or four categories. It's your numbers have to match some standard. You have to have whatever, whether you're a pitcher or an offensive player, yeah. do your historical numbers and, and I'll say accomplishments and numbers have to be somewhat eye popping or a lot eye popping, right? Mm-hmm. You know, did you, and did you win an MVP, a Cy Young? It's not a prerequisite, but what do your accolades look like? I think too, if you zoom out from the stats, in general, during your era, if we expand out on either side of your playing career, like a 20 to 25 year window, where you regarded as one of the best players at your position, I right. think is is a factor. Right. I personally think peak greatness 
is more important than longevity. So if you were great for seven years and this guy over here was really good for 15 years, I'm more interested in the peak greatness of the seven-year player, the Johan Santana, than I am the Mike Mussina. And then I do think, I think postseason matters, man. And this is where Joe gets dinged. His postseason resume is basically zero. He missed a couple postseasons. He hit like, you know, 280 something from a batting average standpoint. You know, he didn't, there wasn't like a big Kirby puck at home run. I don't think Joe Maurer ever played in a playoff game that the Twins won either. So his postseason resume is zero to negative, and that does factor in here. It does. So here's the difference, I think, between Joe and and a lot of great players that played positions at which greatness um, was was far more commonplace. And it's where I don't think you can ding him, and I think if you do, it's idiotic. And, Phil, we've talked about this as well going back years. Um, If Joe Maurer after the unfortunate concussions had come in and said, I can't play anymore. I'm just done, which I mean, he could have, I'm just done. I'm not going to move to first base. I'm a catcher. My career is done. I think he would have a far better chance of going into the hall of fame than he does right now, which, which on its face, in my opinion is idiotic, but here's what Joe Maurer did that like Santana peak greatness was great, but there have been a lot of great Southpaw pitchers. Okay. So like, I think pe- people said, well, he didn't live up to the, you know, X, Y, and Z, the Colfaxes, blah, blah, blah. Joe Maurer is the only catcher in major league baseball history to win three batting titles. And the only catcher ever in the American league to win a batting title. Yep. The only one in the history of this league, he won three consecutive gold gloves, five silver slugger awards, including three consecutive. He was the 2009 MVP. He did all of these things while catching. Yep. That to me is what separates. Like if, like if this was the pro football hall of fame at which they literally have a person make a case, my case is you've never seen catching greatness in the American league like this. Mm -hmm. So how do you not put this person in a place that honors the definition of, greatness and that doesn't even get to your Harold Baines point well and and I would even add to that like let's there's the catcher comparison which if you just go off accolades like everything you said is like those are things to make a case for Joe Maurer and I'll add another one historically going back a hundred years depending on if you look at fan graphs wins above replacement or baseball reference wins above replacement there's a little bit of a difference Joe is one of the top 10 to 12 wins above replacement catchers in baseball history. A hundred years ago. I went back to 1923, hundred years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he also stopped catching when he was like 30. So to, to put up all, and some of these guys like they they're grinding it out until they're 35, 36 behind the plate. You know, Pudge Rodriguez was catching into his mid to late thirties. Also, if you expand out beyond catchers, so Joe Maurer has been worth, generally, you have to have at least 40 wins above replacement, unless you're a closer. Like Billy Wagner is on the ballot. He got, he might get in, actually. You have to have at least like 40 wins above replacement just to have a chance to be on the ballot in and in a, in be in the conversation. So Maurer was worth 55 wins above replacement. That's equal to or better than David Ortiz, Kirby Puckett, Fred McGriff, Lou Brock, Jim Rice. I could, there's a few others, too. Now, many of those guys I just listed are also postseason heroes, right? You can say, okay, David Ortiz didn't, like Joe Maurer has the gold glove defensive catching pedigree. David Ortiz was a DH. But David Ortiz was the biggest factor in the greatest World Series comeback or 
ALCS comeback, and then they right. won the World Series in 04, right? Like, he was a postseason hero time and time again. Kirby Puckett, one of the most noteworthy postseason performances in baseball history. Uh, Lou Brock won two World Series with the Cardinals in the late 60s, early 70s, and was he hit 400-something in one of those World Series. So some of this is like, I, I do think there's enough to balance out the lack of postseason success, but when you start to dig into, like, Boy, most Hall of Famers did something really meaningful in the playoffs. Like Adrian Beltre has a couple World Series home runs. Mm-hmm. Texas lost in the World Series uh, that year. But, and then when you consider like the last 20 to 25 years of, of like take Maurer's era. So like two, early 2000s through like 2020, let's say that 20 year period. It's pretty much for catchers. It's like Maurer, Buster Posey, Yadier. Yeah. Um, Posada, Victor Martinez are on like the tail end of that. And Victor kind of transitioned, yeah. didn't need to like first base DH. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy that kind of pops up when you look at like war and stuff, Brian McCann, actually. Brian McCann, same wins above replacement, also was the starting catcher for a World Series winning team with the Astros, the cheating Astros sure. in 2017. But it's not a big list of catchers the last like 25 to 30 years. And Maurer sits, I think Posey's probably at the top. And then Maurer sits somewhere like maybe second or third behind. Yadier probably sits second, quite frankly. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Two things. Number one, and I've had this debate numerous times with friends, uh, numerous cocktails in or just sober, because this is always a fun conversation to have amongst, amongst my friends that are baseball nuts. If Joe Maurer had retired from baseball in 2013 after the knee issues, is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? I don't think first ballot, but I think I I mean, I think it's his candidacy is viewed as higher yes. because and here's why. Now it's up to your imagination. Oh my god, this guy's look at this guy's career. Mm-hmm. Look at what it's been to this point. Highest batting average as a catcher, highest on base percentage, all these silver sluggers. And his career was cut short. Yep. If we would take the numbers he's putting up and give him five more years of those numbers, what would those numbers have been? Why? We, but instead, we got to see the five years. Yeah. And it was bad. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, the, yeah. If he had left the game in 2013, he would have had a career average of 323, OBP of 405, 469 slugging, which is obviously a little bit low, but still the MVP, the silver sluggers, the gold gloves, everything is there. I personally believe if he had walked away from the game in 2013, which he had no intention of doing, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer because of what he did as a catcher, because of those ridiculous numbers. And yes, the imaginary factor of, but he also retired in his prime. He literally hit 320 as he 
uh, exited that 2013 season. The other side of this is when we look at like just statistics, right? And actually, I think this helps Joe's case. If you look at Matt Holiday, who's also first year on the ballot, right? So Matt Holiday, really good numbers. Box score-wise, yeah. like OPS-wise, better. OPS-wise is better than Joe Maurer. Has played in multiple World Series. Has won a World Series. Has like 300, not 300, but like 300 at-bats in the playoffs. He's played in a ton of postseason games. But is Matt Holiday, does he have a shot of getting in the Hall of Fame? Or is he probably mostly in the Hall of Very Good candidacy? So like this I is think where he's all very good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like this is where it's just so like interesting to me because actually as much as like we look at the baseball curmudgeon system, which I agree with is a curmudgeon system, you look at that and anyone who like is in their early twenties, like the Gen Zers, will look at Matt Holiday and Joe Maurer's stats right to left and be like, How the hell is that guy not a Hall yeah. of Famer compared to Joe Maurer? Mm-hmm. And the thing, too, about this is, so, yes, Joe's lack of, of postseason success is probably the talking point that's going to get brought up and thrown back in your face if you're trying to make the case for him. But, you know, the reality is this. He played on a bunch of very good good teams, not great teams. He was in a market that is certainly not that big. He He himself was not a vocal guy. You know, part of his thing is, if you think about it in terms of the Twins, he's sort of the anti-Puckett because, you know, Puckett, yes, had playoff and World Series success, but Puckett also was like Velcro for people. They were drawn to Puckett. Yeah. Like, like he played in a small market, but he was outspoken and he was fun and gregarious. And, yeah. and, and the fact that it, you know, that in 91 before game seven, he told the team, jump on my back. Now, we found out that he basically said that jokingly every single night, but it's still a great story, right? Like the myth, the legend of Kirby Puckett is part of his Hall of Fame resume. Joe's got none of that, partially because Joe was a quiet dude. But I just think when you look at what this guy did at a position that so many people have played and so few have reached, and, you know, if he was Piazza in the sense that he just hit and he was an okay catcher at best. Yeah. I think the case might be, well, was he really that good a catcher? Because he certainly was not known as a, a, at the end, a great first baseman. But the reality was this guy did everything, everything as far as being a great catcher and being great at the plate with what he did. The other thing that people are going to throw in your face is the home runs. Well, he didn't hit for enough power. He didn't hit for enough power. But here's my question. And this guy played longer. And I'm not saying it's an apples to apples comparison. Do we say, say that about Rodney Carew? Love this. This is a great one. Yeah. But I, so Carew and then, okay. So you look at Carew and Maurer, Maurer before he moved to first base, the numbers, even if you adjust for era, like OPS plus, they're, they're actually very similar players, right? They're batting average on base. Great hitters. Like just guys who move the chains, right? Carew stole a bunch of bases, but Maurer was a catcher. So right. if you're looking for like, okay, what's, what's the, what's the hook there? But people look at Maurer's frame. This is what happens. Like he's six foot four, six foot five. He he's no, he's not like the most muscular guy, but he's super athletic, right? He could have played. He was going to play quarterback division one at Florida State. He was just an excellent basketball player. Also in high school, he was a multi-sport athlete. Why doesn't he hit more home runs? Now I can tell you from covering a huge chunk of his career as a beat writer, that dude had more injuries that he did not talk about. And it hurt his public image, too. It's like, wait, 
why doesn't he hit for more home runs? Well, because his like he's got back and knee problems, and he has found a swing that works for him to keep him as healthy as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he kind of locally, anyways. I think he hurt his own perception by not opening up more about the injuries that were bothering him. Yeah. I'll throw another log on the fire here for this conversation too. In 2017, he got screwed out of a first base gold glove award. Eric, Eric Hosmer won a gold glove off reputation mm-hmm. yep. and Joe Maurer, if I remember right, like the metrics and everything, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty yeah. sure like the metrics pointed to Hosmer yes. should not have won the gold glove and Maurer was the best defensive first baseman. Yes. And According to a quick internet search, only two other players in baseball history have won gold gloves at multiple positions. Darren Erstad, outfield and first base, and Placido Polanco at second base and third and third base. Oh. Mm-hmm. So he would have been the third player in baseball history. Like that would have been an interesting notch on a resume, right? I, I'm one of three players in baseball history to transition to a new position and be the best at it and win a gold glove. So. We all think he's a Hall of Famer, it sounds like, <laughs> but it's just, it's kind of a matter of like, what does the committee, you know, what do the writers, I guess, value? Do If if they say, wow, dude, you didn't do anything in the postseason, or wow, you didn't really hit for any home runs, like there's going to be different writers that have different tastes for what they will yeah. potentially vote for. If he was a career-long first baseman, I don't think he makes it. Yeah. Like if he had started day day one, and you could make a very he might have been healthier and hit bigger true. power numbers well, and stuff though. And there's actually a case to be made that the, that the Twins would have done themselves and Mauer a favor for the long term if they had moved him, let's say, to first base or right field yeah. after three three years, like the Strohs did with Biggio. But I just think, as far as what he did to define the catching position, as it can't be ignored, in my opinion. Yeah, I can't you know, ignore it. What's amazing about the power discussion? I, I think because the comeback is always like, dude, he played, he plays catcher. And I think there's a lot of fans are like, who cares? Go ahead, go hit Jax. Why does that matter? Right. The wear <laughs> and tear on your body, even if you're only, and we, and people used to make fun of him for not being durable and he would sit day game after night game and stuff. Go look at his games played compared to like Byron Buxton's or oh, some God. of some of the players in today's era that are taking load management, you know, two weeks off on the injured list. Yes. If, but if you look historically at catchers, only one catcher in the 150-plus year history of Major League Baseball has hit more than 390 home runs in their career. Now, Maurer didn't even get to 200. It's Mike Piazza. Right. There's only one, two, three, four, five, seven catchers ever that hit more than 280 career home runs. Because, like, you're out there. It's 90 degrees. You're crouching day after day, taking a beating, concussion, foul tips, this, that. It's just like... Bryce Harper was a catcher when he was drafted. They moved him off as an 18-year-old. You wonder if now would would I think the answer is yes. Would they have moved Maurer off of catcher, go play corner outfield, go play third base, first base somewhere else? And you know? Piazza, Piazza for his greatness was not a good defensive catcher. Yeah. Yep. Maurer was. Like like you can't forget that this guy was really good. It's not like he sat behind the plate and guy stole bases consistently and it's like where else are we going to play Joe? Yep. So like I personally have a huge appreciation for people that excel there because that is as tough a position as you can possibly get. Yep. So let us know. What do you guys think? Do you think he? Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Hey, let us Maua. know. Mauer, oh, you drink wine coolers. Mauer, you sucked. You've always sucked. Twinchofft. Soft. Yeah. Hit us up in the YouTube comment section. Do you think Joe Mauer is a Hall of Famer? Do you think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer? State your case for or against one of the great players in Twins history. 
Um, give us a five-star rating and a positive review, too, on Apple Podcasts, if you could. Just quickly, what if the Mal- what if the Twins moved him to right field or first base and kept Przinsky? That's another conversation I that friends love to have. I, I, that's no, not a bad conversation. Cuddy was a good – I mean, they had some good outfielders, too, because – but Maurer would have been an athletic, rangy outfielder at that time. He would have been like or, Alex Gordon. Or would you have hitter. pulled the plug slightly prematurely on Minkiewicz? Because the plug got pulled pretty quickly if you look at history. Yeah. No, these are great questions. Would you have? Oh, man. Yeah. Krasinski is a jerk and a jackass, oh, but, he's but, got he a win, a... but he's got a winning gene. I mean, he has, yeah, there's there's some DNA there. And and there was no, I was surprised that people would boo him. Like, he's a, one of the great players for a couple of years he spiked and, more no i know <laughs> but i, I mean know. he he was an sob yeah, not, but that's i know. ain't gonna complain about that yeah. i'll take no, that on my it's, team it's a good hypothetical i mean what if they would have kept david ortiz you know <laughs> well, yeah, they had lacroix lee croy they had lee croy why would you keep ortiz yeah, soda can <laughs> yeah no no water which yeah. is funny because i bet matthew lee croy has never drank a lacroix in his life <laughs> Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, wow. Just taking shots at Matthew Lee Croy's weight now. This show is completely spiraled out of tracks. Let's do an Immaculate Grid here, boys. We're going to put... Let's put timing here. We're trying to cram a bunch of things in here. Uh, Flagrant howls coming up. Let's put seven minutes on the clock here. Can we do this in seven minutes? Twins on the grid? Potentially. Okay. We're looking for a twin who was a tiger, twin who was a diamondback, twin who was a royal. Look at this. It's all teams. This is going to be... Oh, See, I kind of hate these. I want one stat category. Uh, why? Brewer who was a Tiger, Brewer who was a Diamondback, Brewer who was a Royal, and then a Philly who was a Tiger, Philly who was a Diamondback, Philly who was a Royal. Mm. Let's start with the Twins. I think whenever the Twins are on the grid, boys, we should be looking to go low with our Oh, score. absolutely. And there absolutely. are several relievers coming to my mind from okay. when I covered the Twins beat. This is good because these are always super low. You want me to start throwing some names out or you guys throw some names out? No. Okay. Throw names out. We've used, we've seen the twins Royals uh, square before and we've used Dusty Hughes. Dusty Hughes was a Royals lefty who the twins picked up at some point because the front office, I believe asked the twins left-handed hitters. Hey, who's kind of Dusty Hughes. What do you think? And Kubel and Morno said as lefties, he's tough to pick up. Tough to pick up. I've got a new one. That's going to go lower than anyone for Twins oh. Royals, not Twins Let's Tigers. It. Let's do it. No, that was Twins Royals, too. Okay. It's Twins Look. Royals. Yeah. Tom Bergmeier. He's okay. from the 70s. He's Let's a go. local. He was He's a Minnesotan who pitched for both teams. 
Mm. Tom, and it's B-U-R, I believe, is how oh, it starts. Do. Yep, oh. there he is. Tom Bergmeier. Let's go. 0. 0.7. 0.7%. That's not as low as I was hoping for. I got to admit, That's a I was little hoping high. for 0. 0.1. I was hoping for 0. 0.1. I'm sorry. I'm kind of just out of curiosity. I'm just going to catcher. I'm going to plug in Dusty Hughes just to see what the percentage would have been. Dex, who, who's the catcher, uh, the slappy who was with the Twins briefly, and then he caught for the Diamondbacks Chris for a while? Herman. Okay. Chris Hold Herman. on. I got, a, I got a different one that's going to be lower than that, a reliever. Okay. okay. I do want to see what Dusty Hughes was. When was this? Dang. Grade? There we go. I'm just curious. Dusty mm. Hughes. Dusty Hughes. 0.007 on Dusty Hughes, by the way. Damn it. The relievers are always, like, the most I, I, Tom Bergmeier. Yeah, reliever himself. I would have. I would have thought from, Tom Bergmeier would be. I would have. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm very obsessed by this. Okay, twin twins Diamondbacks. There was a reliever the Twins plucked off waivers in. Uh, I believe it was September of 2011 or 2012, named as Merling Vasquez. They plucked oh, yeah. him off. They plucked him off waivers from the Diamondbacks. E S M S Merling Vasquez. There he is. He finished out the season with the Twins, and that was the end. <laughs> Point oh eight. Point oh eight. Let's go. Nice. And I'll give you the last one. Delman Young was traded in 2012 to the Detroit Tigers. And in that trade, a guy named Lester Oliveros was a reliever that the Twins Mm. acquired. Mm. Lester Oliveros. He was a major league reliever. Out to uh, Cole Nelson, too. I used to hang out with that guy. He also was in that trade. Yeah. I used to hang out. He was a friend of my friend. We hung out a few times last night. That's good. No, that's good. It's just funny. Just funny. 0.03. Right. 0.05. Nice. Nice. All right. So we're under 1% here with a third of the grid left. And we have Milwaukee, Detroit, left? Ben Ogilvie. Three minutes. Ben Ogilvie. B E N O. Are we just going to rifle these or do you want to list some names just for fun? This has to be low, right? Okay. We'll trust that one. Ben Ogilvie. 71. To, yeah. Okay. Five. Not higher Five percent. Okay. Uh, that must be a very rare. Aaron Hill, second baseman, mm. power guy. He, um, for who? For what? Diamondbacks and Brewers. He was mostly mm. known with the Diamondbacks and yes. Jays, but he finished with Milwaukee. Hold on. Ooh, good one. Let's. So what, I'm going to write. Let's, let's slow ahead, right? the yep. pace yep. a little bit yep. here. Okay. What's the name? Sorry, give me yep. the name again. Aaron Hill, right? Aaron Hill. He was also blue. Wasn't he the Blue Jays guy that knocked out Justin Morneau in 2010? Uh, yes. I think so. Pretty yeah. sure that's what he's famous well, for. Well, by accident, you make it sound like he purposely concussed him. I don't know. Guy. Felt uh, Craig Council would work here. Lyle Overbay would work here. Yeah. I think that might be and. High. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's the. You, um, you want a former twin? Yeah. A former twin that yeah. my uncle Todd used to play Legion baseball against in the La Crosse, Wisconsin area. Damian Miller. Was a World Series catcher for catcher. the Diamondbacks in 01 and also one. played for the Brewers. Yep. Former Twins catcher. Damian Miller. Damian. Um, this is too high, but didn't Jeff Jenkins play for the D-backs at the end, too? Ooh. But it that's going to be higher. Ah, that's pretty obscure. Yeah, Damian that's Miller might be, though. I mean, Aaron Hill is obscure, too, because... Yeah, pick one of those. I like that. I mean, Damian Miller has to be under 1%, right? It's a far, I'm just thinking. I'm disappointed by my guys so far. I thought they'd be less than they are. All right. One. One percent. One percent. Let's go. I'm surprised it's even one percent. Um. Kansas what? City and Milwaukee. I feel like there's some Matt Stairs possibilities with Philly. Lorenzo Cain mm. will be the oh. most popular. Um. 
Yeah, Brewers. I think Joaquin. Did Joaquin Soria? Mustakas. Mustakas will be high. Joaquin Soria Soria was with the Royals forever, and he bounced around. I'm gonna write him down. I'm trying to think of old school Uh, Royals that then went to that played for the the, Brewers. He he still will be high-ish, but the shortstop that went in the Greinke trade, uh, Acidos Escobar. Yes, yeah, there's like, dude. There's a lot of there's a huge pipeline. Who's of, that uh, big prospect? Who's the big prospect that went? He washed out. Matt Laporta, but that was Gamble, wasn't it? Gamble, Matt Gamble. Did he I play for both? It. Okay, Scotty um, Podsednik played for uh, both these teams. He's a great, great guy. Scotty Pods, uh, and here's a God, There's some. This is a great, a great connecting franchise. The Brewers and Royals have had a lot of connections. A 90s infielder named Kevin Seitzer was on oh, yeah. all my video games. Good hitter. Good hitter. Kevin Seitzer. Like a 300 hitter. Yeah, he was he a was good hitter. I think he became he a might, Would coach. he be high? Kevin he Seitzer? Might, he'd probably be higher than some of the guys you mentioned. I'm trying to think of the, the back to the 70s if there, were, if there was any movement between the between these teams. Uh, three minutes. Three minutes. Okay. Yeah, just pick one. Uh, I would say Pitsednik, or who was the who was the first one? Well, Lorenzo Cain's going to be too high. Yeah, it's going to be too high. Pitsed, Scotty Pitsednik's fine. Scotty Pods. Pods. Yep. White Point side, six. Right? Point six. Point six. Oh, that's, let's go. Let's go. Oh, wow. Let's go. A, I'm surprised. I love me now that shocks me. Dude, we're that's under ten percent. Okay. Lower well, Placido Polanco. We've had this square a couple times. I'm trying to remember. Uh, Placido Polanco is always the obvious tiger. Pitchers. Pitchers. Matt Stairs. Oh, no. Matt Stairs is, uh, he's Matt for sure in Kansas play. City. He didn't he play, play Detroit, for Detroit. Right? I don't remember in Detroit. We could use him for Kansas City. That might be high, though. <sighs> Phillies, Tigers. Phillies, Tigers. <sighs> Would Matt Stairs be, though, like, that high? I know he's not a pitcher, but, like, Where you're looking at, but mm. depends. How many people do you think remember Matt Stairs? But I mean, I, I wouldn't have guessed Ben Ogilvy would have been five percent. So, hmm. hmm. I think uh, did right. Pat Neshek play for the Tigers? I don't remember that. Play for the Phils. Great baseball card collection. Nick Cassiano uh, okay. be high. Another former Judd. You'd have to help me on this one. Former twin yeah. from the late 80s, mid 80s, for sure played with the Phillies, and I believe played for the Royals, Jim Eisenreich. Oh, St. Claude guy. He played for the Royals for sure. Yep. And he, he played for the he yep. was played in the World Series for the Phillies, didn't he? Like yep. 93, yep. 93. He's, for, he's for a for sure. Royals. Royals yep. and Phillies. Not Detroit. Yep. Go he's a for sure. 5%. Still higher than I thought. Yeah, it's me okay. too. Phillies, Diamondbacks. Ugh. I'm trying to think of uh, these are. You have twins. I'm just. I mean, Philly, Phillies, Diamondbacks. Sh- Kurt, Kurt Schilling and Schilling will be Kurt high. Schilling's the biggest one. D.D. Gregorius played for both those teams. Deeds. He played. He played. Gregorius uh, is euphorious. Yeah. I know. That's great. Um. Should we, should we put Matt Stairs for Tigers Phillies? I don't think he's a Tiger. Don't think he's a Tiger? Okay. Oh, no, no, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. That's what I don't else. think he's a Tiger. You're okay. right. I don't remember him as okay. a Tiger. 
Polanco for sure. I don't. I'm struggling beyond. We did this one time. I know we had this we square had this. before because we were like Polanco, and we spent a half hour trying to figure it out. I think we have to just do Polanco and okay, and like Polanco and Gregorius. We got. I got. I got to run here. Flagger and Howl. Eleven percent. All right. Yeah. That, that's okay. fine. Gregorius. Didi. I hate the Diamondbacks. This is gonna kill our rarity score, but thirty-six is pretty good. Okay. Yeah. What was DD? Yeah. Damn. The Diamondbacks. I. I just. These new franchises in my day, I don't really appreciate them as much. <laughs> what were the percentages on these? I'm like, oh, 50, only 50% completion rate. 33 on the Twins Diamondbacks. How about that? Kubel would have worked. Kubel would have worked. Interesting. What's the top uh, ones? Oh, Chad, Troy Hunter. Chad Mulder. Wasn't he a Diamondback, too? That Another Twins catcher? Yes. Or was Enzo Kane's photo look like it's from... What, what <laughs> like is it? Valley that? Park. Valley Fair. Yeah. Hilarious. Uh, boys, right, boys, heck of a show. I think we just solved the world's Hall of Fame problems there. Yes, we did. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Score North Twin Show. If we don't talk to you until after the holiday, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours.